church on this beautiful day. It's so great to have Matt and Joy Barnett helping us today with music, and they drove all the way up from Cincinnati, I was told. So thank you guys for being here and already appreciating the music and the worship. Uh, a couple announcements for us. There is a new committee that is starting, an outreach committee. We are going to try to use this committee to be more intentionable. <laughs> Intentional. <laughs> Our dad, you know, whatever. I'm not even awake yet. Uh, intentional on reaching out to our community and doing things to be helpful and to put the light of Jesus in, out into Greenfield. So if you would like to be uh, involved with this, you have good, good ideas, please talk to Pastor as soon as possible so that he can uh, get you on that committee and start getting things sorted. There's a lift meeting on March 7th. Uh, if you RSVP to Rhonda, make sure you mark your calendars for March 7th. There'll, it'll be the canvas painting at 7 p.m. Courtney still has hers from a couple years ago, so it keeps its value well. Dinner will be provided. Don't forget to bring your $15 to cover uh, expenses for that. And then uh, at the end of March, March 30th, we'll be having our Easter celebration for families. Uh, this is from 1 to 4 in the afternoon, and we are still looking for candy donations. So uh, it should be individually wrapped and small enough for an Easter egg, and then there will be a plastic tub out in the foyer. If you need more information, please talk to Holly. She has all the answers. That's what I've been told. So we go to her for everything now. Yes, even the youth questions I have, I go to Holly because she knows. Okay? Uh, so, yes, if you have questions, please talk to Holly. And uh, next Sunday, we will be starting the Easter Cantata Choir Practice at 9.30. See how this goes. We're going to 9.30 before church starts. Okay? So please, uh, if you are interested in that, uh, Brittany will be headhunting people, so she will be coming around talking to you. Uh, there may be bribes. No, I'm just kidding. That's not probably in poor taste. I apologize. But uh, that will be starting next week. So please, if you can sing and you're willing and want to, that is starting next week. So great to have all of you with us. At this time, Pastor is going to open in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to be here this morning and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for worship and what it means uh, to us as, as believers, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us this morning to once again be reminded of what it means and how it re re relates to us and the church. Bless the Lord in all that we do and say, Father, that it will honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to these scriptures about how great our God is this morning. Jeremiah 10.6 says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. And great is your name in might. And 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. And that's the God we serve. And that's the God we're praising this morning. Let's live together. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me, how
Father, we worship you this morning. We realize, Father, as we look at all the things around us, that there is none like you. The changing of the seasons, the beauty of spring as new life springs forth. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the warm summer days and the fall days with a cool breeze and then the winter months, Lord, with a beautiful snowfall. Lord, we look around us at, at your beauty that ex, is, it extends, dear Father, beyond our eye. And Lord, we realize there's none like you. Lord, we come, Father, to worship you. It's more than just the beauty of the world. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you, dear Lord, for Calvary. We thank you, dear Lord, for what you've done for us, uh, how you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son into this world to die in our behalf. We thank you, dear Lord, for all of your blessings, the things that we, that you have bestowed upon us and given to us. Lord, we're grateful for that this morning. We pray, Father, that you help us not to be ungrateful, dear Lord, for all of your blessings. You know our needs. You know our burdens. You know the trials of life, Lord, that we encounter. We pray, Father, that you'll meet every need that's represented here this morning. Lord, we've come to lift up the name of Jesus and to magnify you and praise you today. But, Lord, we're also asking you for a touch in our own lives. Those, Lord, this week that have had surgery, thank you, Lord, that you brought them successfully through, through those surgeries. I think of Marlene, Lord, and, and, a, and a new knee and sister... Um, uh, Sister England with a new hip. We thank you, dear Father, for success in, in those areas. We pray, Lord, you'll get, be with them and continue to help them in the rehab process. You know other needs, Lord, that are represented here. Those who are not feeling well, we pray you'll touch them this morning. You know every individual's need, dear Father, whether it be physical, whether it be a spiritual need, dear Lord, a, a mental need, Lord, that they're dealing with, Father, a financial need, whatever it might be. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who has the answers to every one of those. Bless, Lord, this morning in all that we do and say that it will honor and glorify you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
it makes, makes the Tennessee girl feel right at home. Matt and I were talking on the way over um, how different we feel right now compared to the revival that we held right after Matt's surgery. Um, I can't believe we even did it. Um, and thank you for having patience with us. And um, goodness, how good the Lord has been to us through this journey. Um, on Valentine's Day, um, we found out from his oncologist that his pet can was clear. He is cancer-free right now, and we are rejoicing in that. Um, as I look back over this journey, I see how the Lord has guided. He's protected us from um, making the wrong decision at the, at the wrong time. Just how good he's been through this journey. Um, and I think we all can see that as we look back through life, the things the Lord has brought us through. I see how good he's been now, and then someday when we get to heaven, we're going to look into his face and say, you are better to me than I deserve, and now I get to see you face to face, and you're far more than I ever dreamed you'd be. You listen to the words of this song. Oh, I watched at a distance. As God blessed his children, I saw how he cared for his own. He seemed like a good God, loving and patient, like someone that I'd like to know. said, Lord, I give up now. Come cleanse me from sin, set me free. The greatest surprise when he opened my eyes. He was more than I thought he could be.
as his wonder unfolds and I kneel on pure gold all of heaven will hear me proclaim far more worthy than I had imagined far more loving than my heart special and operatory and your giving and I so appreciated the focus on how great God is this morning and sometimes it's so easy for our our things in our lives to uh, distract us from what God wants and what God said he will do for us and like that song said he'll do even more than we thought and he's more worthy than we give him credit for and so just thank you so much for leading us in worship today pastor is continuing his series on worship and his verse is John 4 verse 24 God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit 
and truth. God, we thank you for this day, for the worship we've already had. Pray that you'd help us to continue worship as Pastor comes and brings this message to us. Pray that you would give him a power and blessing and help us to hear. Amen. He is far more worthy, far more loving than I ever thought he would be. Praise God for that. I never heard the song before, but it spoke to my heart this morning. Thank you, Matt and Joy, for driving all the way over here and helping us out this morning. We deeply appreciate it. And uh, they'll be somewhere next week. They won't be able to be here, but I think the next few weeks they're going to try to help us out as much as they can. And uh, I, I, I didn't um, lock them in because I wanted them to... Uh, you know, get that feel about that two-and-a-half-hour trip that's over here because they're a little further, I think they're east of, uh, of um, Cincinnati a little bit, right? So uh, I thought it was only like an hour and a half. Come to find out it's about an hour longer. So anyway, so much. We're so grateful for you guys to come and, 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 and worship with us this morning and lead us in worship, and, and we thank you very much. Well, do you have, does anybody have a testimony this morning? They're, they're always in order, folks. I hope you understand that. You're just, your heart's just bubbling over, and you just want to go on record to remind everybody here how you feel about God this morning, how he is, he is worthy and much more worthy and uh, of, our, uh, of anything that we can give to him. Brother Don. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord, Don. Praise the Lord. Watch Don over the last four years just go through so much the valleys. Uh, don't need to remind you of the tragedy that happened right there in that seat back a few years ago. And uh, was it was it two now? I don't know, it's been close to that, and, uh, and, and he was gone for all intents and purposes. I think he believes that, and most of us here would believe that, but uh, God wasn't through with you, Don, yet, and uh, we're so grateful, and then, of course, this summer, he broke his shoulder and been through rehab and had surgery for that, and it's been quite an uh, uphill battle, and uh, he's right. Doris, you've been a blessing to him, and uh, I know Don has been there, too, to help, but Doris, we thank you so much for all that you do for Don, and I know he, he, he appreciates that. Amen. Someone else? Amen. Well, I can preach. I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that. Courtney. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to have you all here today. Philip, I love the Lord this morning. I'm so thankful for his watchfulness and care over us. Uh, the song, Our Heavenly Father Watches Over Me. The awesomeness of that. You know, our Father is in heaven. 
watches over me. I'm not observing. I'm just one little human being. I don't want faults and failures, but he watches over me. And I love him for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Goin. Wonderful faithfulness to me down through the years, how he's taught me and led me. But whatever drift from that, I want to stay yes. close to him. He's been better to me than I ever deserved. I love Amen. This Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. How should we worship? Go ahead, Cheryl. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Some of us are controllers. <laughs> <laughs> Surely all are headed towards eternity and how important these moments are in, in our lives, um, our, our, our time of worship together on Sunday mornings, our fellowship, our time of fellowship together as believers. We're here to encourage one another, amen? We, we, we want to make it and we're seeing, uh, you know, our, some of those that are a little older than us going through the aches and pains of life and of course, you know, surgeries this week and Sister England with her being replaced, Marlene Anderson with her uh, knee being replaced this week. We're glad for successful surgery, but we're, we're realizing uh, the older we get, our mortality. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, in the midst of that, God is, comes along, brings healing, touches us, and um, he's concerned about everything in your life that you're going through. And whether it's ache or pain, or whether it's a, uh, a, a, an issue with your job or finances or whatever it is i'm glad he's i'm glad to remind you he cares as, and as phil already mentioned he's looking down he sees and uh, he hasn't forgotten about us thank god for that and he's still working amen praise the lord anyone else how should we worship this is the third part of the series i started a couple weeks ago obviously and um and I'm not sure how long it's going to go, frankly. Uh, but uh, I pray that it'll be a blessing. Has been already, and it'll continue to be a blessing as we look at this, um, the subject of worship, and come to a, a greater understanding of, of how it relates to us um, as believers, uh, not only corporately here in our our place of worship that we come, but also obviously every day that we live, we are worshiping. John MacArthur, in a book that he wrote called The um, Worship, Our Ultimate Priority, which in many ways is why I've been preaching this series. I've read that book. I was at a, a thrift store. I know it's shocking with my wife. And um, I looked through the books there. And uh, I saw this book. And I thought, well, I'll try that out and read it. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was so powerful that I thought, well, I'm going to share some of the things that he shares in that book with you and then share some of the things that have been on my heart um, also. 
But in that book that he wrote, um, he tells a story of a, of a comedian years ago. Many of you would remember this guy. Some of you aren't old enough to remember Flip Wilson. And uh, Flip Wilson did a parody, and if you ever saw any of it, he did a parody on the church in which he made up a character, and that character's name was uh, Reverend Leroy. And uh, Reverend Leroy pastored a church called the Church of What's Happening Now. Um, and it was, in fact, it was uh, pretty hilarious. Um, but the sad part is that this seems to be no longer a parody in many of our churches today. The church of today is swarming with Leroy's who are leading congregations of people with self-styled worship that is in many ways sacrilegious entertainment that they call relevant or contemporary. Or even, they even make the word seeker-sensitive worship. And they will go to all extremes and measures to entertain the audience. And um, some of you have recently seen uh, whether it's a little clip on your Facebook page or wherever it is, the church in Cincinnati called Crossroads Church um, on Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody see that, uh, what they're doing there, okay? Um, I'm getting different responses to it. My wife updated me last night, but they sang, uh, one of the, I guess it's one of the pastors or staff, I don't know, that was on, um, a, uh, on a, a big ball and it hung, some chain hang, hang, hung from the ceiling and, and he was singing a song by Miley Cyrus called, I Came In Like a Wrecking Ball. Now, I, I hope and pray you've never seen the video of that song, okay? I have no idea, but I'm afraid that because of social media, it, it just spreads all over the place. And whether you're looking for it or not, when it came out, you probably, unfortunately, saw something about it. I'm not going to go into detail because I'm sure if you have, you have images in your mind that you'd like to get rid of, okay, frankly. Um, and, but this guy's got a, a, a referee outfit on and he's swinging and I don't know the context. I can't figure it out. There's, I'm sure there was some kind of context and he was, they were singing. I came in like a wrecking ball and I guess they changed the words to it to mean something else. I have no idea because I didn't watch it very long at all. Frankly, I just saw a very small clip of it, heard other people talking about it, frankly. And so um, I was, I just, I'm so appalled by it that I just can't, it's almost embarrassing. I can't believe, uh, you're, you're kidding me they're doing that. Now I heard they went on and, it, and they also took the Holy Bible, the Bible, and they, they kicked it right into the congregation and somebody won a Bible through the, uh, the punning of the word of God into the congregation. I, I, I have no idea. I think they had on the, the opposite team's jerseys on that Sunday morning and there was something going on. I don't know all the stuff that was going on in that. And I really wouldn't even have told you the name of the church if it wasn't pretty much emblazoned across the, you know, all of social media, all right? Because I, I want to be very careful about that, but the fact of the matter is, is they were, it was, it was obvious there. I think they're very proud of what they did. You can give me more information after the service on what you know of it, okay? Especially you people that live in the Cincinnati area and know more than I do about that. But that's kind of where we're at today, frankly, in, in, in many of our churches, and a lot of our churches, not all of our churches, um, but in many. Back in the 90s, there was a church in Southern California that wanted to be relevant to their community. So the Leroy pastor put out flyers that said, God's country, good time hour. And it was headlined with line dancing, following worship. And it, it read that the pastor 
would be wearing his Wrangler boots and jeans, and he would be dancing to country music. The article was written in the paper, said uh, numbers, uh, members listen to sermons with topics that include the pastor's 70, um, 1974 pickup truck and Christian sex, rated R for relevance, respect, and relationship. And more fun, he said, it said in there, it had more fun than it sounds. He went on to say that after church, um, they would dance to a band called Honky Tonk Angels. And the article concluded with the attendance has been steadily rising in the church. That happens in quite a lot of churches across the country today, become a place of entertainment rather than a place of worship. The worship of a holy God has been so profaned in our day that it is a wonder that anyone is being truly converted. When the church resorts to frivolous entertainment, it becomes a nightclub or a comedy club and not a place to reverently come into God's awesome presence. One church advertised a service that said, Circus, see Barnum and Bailey, bested as the magic of the big top circus to the fellowship of excitement. That's what they called their church, this fellowship of excitement. And it went on to say there was clowns and acrobats and animals and popcorn. And went on to say, what a great night. The same church once had their pastoral staff put on a, a wrestling match. And uh, they threw each other around uh, during a Sunday morning service on the platform. And they had a professional wrestler come in to show them how, they, how to do that correctly, to throw, the, throw your, your uh, other pastor around so they wouldn't get hurt. And uh, they had a wrestling match before the service. And these kind of events are happening uh, more than you realize across the country. We, we worship here. Um, every Sunday, very seldom do we go to another place to worship, but I've been in those places. I remember during my sabbatical, went to one of the biggest churches in the, in the Birmingham and Tuscaloosa area, uh, actually Alabama area, and one of the fastest growing churches. And I remember walking into the back of the sanctuary. I couldn't find a seat. I went to the overcrowded uh, overflow area afterwards. But I can just be honest with you, my eardrums couldn't handle it. Um, I, I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. The, mount, the music was so incredibly loud, and, and the, the beat was so, uh, it, it just the walls were shaking, and um, uh, there were people there with their hands raised, and, and, uh, and, and I guess they can do that. I, I, I couldn't personally, um, I, uh, I wouldn't even want to go to a concert like that, but it's happening, and I've seen it, and you've seen it. Um, and these kind of events uh, become the tradition instead of the non-traditional form of worship. In fact, a non-traditional church is one that preaches the Bible as God's inspired and fallible word and still makes the old hymns a priority in their music. This doesn't mean that we, that we don't sing the new songs. And I want to make that very clear. I love, some of the new songs, are, uh, some of the stuff that we sang this morning is, is, just, is just worshipful and uplifting of God. And I, I love that stuff, and I love the, the mix of that. But um, if those songs uh, lack sound doctrine that back up God's word, and those songs lack the glory of God or bringing glory to God, 
then I'm not interested in singing any of those types of songs, including any kind of hymn that has been put out in the last 200 years, folks. Amen? I don't, I don't want to, you know, I've, I've used this before. I've used it, we used to sing choruses, you know, do Lord, do Lord, oh, do remember me. Now, that was one of the deepest songs we've ever sang in, in the church. Think about it. I mean, that's one we sang. We, we sang so many songs that we would put our stock in. That's a song that we grew up with or whatever, and that was fine. But today's songs, we can't do that because, you know, they're just new. Well, there's a, there's a healthy balance. And when it comes down to Scripture and doctrine and the Word of God, regardless, regardless of, of how, if it's, whether it's in the, the pages of a hymnal or not, listen, I can sing it and I can worship God with it. Amen? And, uh, and maybe I'm just uh, different. Uh, maybe that's just the way it is. I am getting older, and I ha- find myself getting set in some of my ways the older I get. But I'll be reminded that our younger people are growing up in a, in a different time, and some of that music is some that they really enjoy and like. And, and they find that to be uh, a, a worshipful song rather than maybe one of the old hymns that they don't know much about. Listen, I'm, I want our hymns to be the central focus of, of worship because I believe in the doctrine of those hymns. I think of, of John and Charles Wesley, especially Charles Wesley and, and his writing, so theological, so doctrinal, even though I would necessarily not agree with every exact dot and tittle of every, every song that he's wrote, frankly, if you do any study of it. But I'm thankful for those, those songs. So what is true worship? John 4.24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The basis for true worship is twofold. To worship in spirit means you are concerned with spiritual realities, not so much with places or outward sacrifices, with cleansings and trappings. Now remember, when Jesus, when Jesus said this, he was addressing the Samaritan woman. In fact, in verse 20, uh, of, of chapter 4 of, of John, the Samaritan woman said, Our fathers worshiped on, the mountain, on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus responded. He said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And say, so what was he saying there? What was he trying to how was he responding back to this Samaritan woman? He was saying, worship what will come from the heart, not in a certain place or not with ritualistic trappings that go along with it. The theologian Dodd said of, of this promise that Jesus gave to this Samaritan woman, he said, one of the, he said it was one of the greatest announcements ever made by our Lord and made to one sinful woman. Worship is something everyone can do regardless of their race, their environment, their culture, or where they do it. All people have a place at God's table. And that's what he was telling the Samaritan woman at that time. She was concerned about where the Jews worshipped. Well, they worship on this mount, Mount Gerizim. That's where they worship. And so that's the only place to worship because you can't worship if you're not a Jew. And Jesus is making, very, making it very clear to this Samaritan woman, this Gentile lady, that's not what worship is. It's not on a certain place. 
because you worship in spirit and in truth. Secondly, to worship in truth means you worship according to the whole counsel of God's word, especially in light of the New Testament revelation. It also means that you come to God in truth, not in pretense or a mere display of spirituality. True worship is truth worship. True worship is truth worship. Is that up there? That's got to be up there. That, I mean, I, I didn't put my name to it, but uh, I, I said that. True worship is truth worship. It's when we open our minds and our hearts to truth in God's word and allow it to change our thinking and establish our hearts and faith so that we are unwavering and we're genuine in our relationship with God. It is what the reformers called sola scripture. David said it beautifully in Psalms chapter 19, verses 7 11, when he talked 7 through 11, when he talked about the beauty of the word of God. What did he say? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, and they're righteous altogether. And he went on to say more, to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb and he went on to say this he said moreover by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward the beauty of the written word of god it's like honey it's beautiful it does all these wonderful these these things these precepts that the lord said they're right they're true they make wise the simple it enlightens the eyes. It's clean. And the word of God endures forever. Written by King David. And so this morning, I want us to know that when it comes to worship, we are to worship God in, the, in spirit and especially in truth. Because the sufficiency of Scripture regulates worship. The sufficiency of Scripture regulates worship. Again, the Reformers made a, a tenet that they called the regulative principle. John Calvin was the first to express this tenet and this principle, and he summed it up like this. He said, God disapproves of all modes of worship not expressly sanctioned by his word. And he supported that, John Calvin did, with Scripture. In fact, he used 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. He went to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. The 19th century Scottish historian, his name was William Cunningham, defined this regulative principle in these terms. He says, it is unwarrantable and unlawful to introduce into the government and worship the church anything which has not the positive sanction of Scripture. 
John MacArthur went on and said, preaching is an irreplaceable aspect of all corporate worship. Irreplaceable aspect of all corporate worship. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. In fact, Paul even characterized his own calling this way. He said, of, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Again, MacArthur makes this comment. He said, preaching of the word affects worship in three different ways. And I want to share those with you this morning. First of all, preaching the word edifies the flock. It edifies the flock. Spiritual gifts are to be used for the edification of the body. Every gift that God has bestowed upon us as his, as his children as believers, ought to be used to edify the body of Christ. When we come into the presence of God, we come to edify one another. Amen? Lift up the name of Jesus, magnify him, bring glory to his name, and in doing that, we are edifying our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you think you don't have any talents, okay? Nothing that can be used. Every individual that sits here on the sound of my voice has some talent and some ability that they can use for the glory of God. Doesn't mean that you're going to be behind a piano or, or be singing or standing behind this podium, but you have something to bring to the body to edify and glorify the rest of the body and especially Jesus. Ephesians tells us, in, in, in Ephesians 4.12, it says that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said, so with, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Of course, the Corinthians, as we well know, were more concerned with manifestations of the Spirit than edifying the body. And I say this, both are important. But the priority must be edify the body of Christ. The ministry's aim is to stimulate genuine worship. And to do that, it must be edifying. Emotional worship doesn't necessarily mean edifying worship. Compelling stories, music that lacks doctrinal depth, depth humor that takes away from glorifying God, and preaching that is not contextual, are all useless unless they are if, if are useless if they are ego centered. Genuine worship is a response to divine truth. And so genuine worship begins when the believers, the body, come together to edify one another. It's edifying what we've experienced this morning. We've been edified in our spirits. As we leave this place in a few moments and we go back out into a dark world, we can be edified in, this, in our spirits to go out there and make a difference for the kingdom of God. So it edifies this flock. Secondly, it brings honor to the Lord. The Hebrew writer said, let us show gratitude 
by which we may offer to God an acceptable servants with reverence and all. The word here, the Greek word, um, is latreo, and it literally means worship. When he, when he talks about showing gratitude. Worship is a reverent act that brings glory to God. It's not about people. It's about God. The ASV translates this verse like this. It says, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Reverence and awe are a solemn sense of honor and respect as we view God and his majestic holiness. When we revere and honor, we are confronted with God's holiness and our sinfulness. We begin to realize our weaknesses and his mightiness. Reverence far outweighs relevance. Reverence far outweighs relevance. We're, listen, every pastor that I know is, is challenged with this idea of relevance. And we're seeing it today, Frank. I'm just going to frankly tell you right now, you, you're seeing it. And I'm here to cast shadow again. I want to be careful. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying I'll, I'll see a video clips of pastors today, and we're, we're just basically, um, they're coming in a pair of jeans and, and, and a you know, button-down shirt or whatever, okay? And why do, we, why do they come like that? They want to be relevant. Because this, this is not relevant today, frankly. The way that I, that I look on this Sunday morning, I have no idea, folks, how many do or don't. In my, and I'm not here to cast, um, I'm, be disparaging towards that. That's, I, I'm, I don't want to do that. But I would say that there's a very few and be far between uh, that would not have a suit jacket on this morning as they came onto the platform. Now you say, well, you've got to have a, a suit jacket to worship, right? Everybody has to have a tie on and a suit jacket. I didn't say that. <laughs> and you can worship just as well in a pair of Wrangler boots and a pair of jeans and a button-down shirt as you can in a, in, a, in, a, in a jacket and a tie. Amen? I hope everybody's getting the point here. But it seems as if that we have just kind of dumbed it down. We want to be relevant. We want to be hip. We want to, we want to fit in with with. You know, I think I was telling Phil this, this, this week. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned when the church begun, begins, their, their standard becomes, they, they derive their standard from the world. The world sets the standard, and then we follow suit. Folks, it's, it should not be. God's word ought to set the standard, and then, and, and then we take God's word and his standard for us as his, as, as his children, as believers, and we live by that standard regardless if the world does or not. And we are to be salt and light, and we're to be making an impact on the world rather than the world impacting us. I'm not exactly telling you exactly how that works and how it should work in your life, but I am telling you that it deeply concerns me. God's word ought to be the standard for every believer when it comes to our lifestyle and how we live. The early church 
came together to encourage one another and to worship as a corporate body. Because the Hebrew writer again said, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the, the habit of some. But we are coming to encourage one another. You see, evangelism in the early church happened primarily outside of worship. As people would rub shoulders with those outside the church. Church was a public gathering in the early years, years as it is today. But worship was designed for edification and fellowship of the believers. It's a place where, where we come to be spiritually accountable um, to one another. That is spiritual accountability is practiced amongst the believers. That's worship. Hebrews chapter 3, verse and, verses 12 and 13 tell us, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, uh, lest there be any evil in you, unbelieving hearts, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's a place, it's an, it's a place of accountability. Folks, I am often find it that a smaller church is a place where there's a lot more accountability. And I believe the reason why we have a very large churches, part of it is there's a lot of people there, not everybody, but there's a large people, large segment of people that are going to go there because they don't want to be held accountable. You can slip in and you can slip out and nobody has any idea if you are there or whether you're not there. Listen, one of the reasons the pastor calls you or texts you when you're not in church on Sunday morning is I'm, held, I'm holding you accountable. Why? Because I want you to make it to heaven. I, I, folks, let me look a little secret. I, I have no, I, I have no desire to nose into your business. I, I don't. I, what, where were you at and why were you there? And what more could you be doing than being in church? Could you please tell? <laughs> that's, you know, that's not, uh, that's not important, frankly. And I don't need to know that. The reason I do it is because I'm trying to hold you accountable. And I talked about it last week, and you need to hold me accountable too. There's a reason why you have a board. Representatives of the body to hold us all accountable, including the pastor. I'm to be accountable to them. They're accountable to me. Why? It's part of us together trying to make it to heaven, folks. In fact, the partaking of the Lord's Supper is as much about thanksgiving and remembrance as it is about accountability. It's an opportunity for examination and reconciliation between God and our fellow man. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Before you can bring your gift, Matthew tells us, or your religious duty to the altar, what does it say? Reconcile with your brother. Reconcile with your brother. I have never pastored a church in my 35 years of pastoring where there weren't considerable interpersonal relationships going on in the church that, were, that, that had potential to damage the body. I, I never have. I, I want to tell you right now, the, 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 the devil would love to us get sideways with one another over some maybe really insignificant event. And we get discouraged with one another. And we begin to point our fingers. And we begin to say, you know, I, I talked to Tammy this morning. I, I, I can, I'm almost every time that, that I have made a pastoral change, 
it had something to do with an interpersonal relationship. I'm just going to be honest. Not totally. The next series I'm preaching is on unity. (laughs) It's coming up pretty soon. Here's the bottom line is, we're not all going to agree. You know, one thing you don't talk about at a family reunion is what, politics? What's the other one? Religion. You just don't do it. Why? Because you're going to find out, even with your siblings and your family, that you don't agree on everything when it comes to God's word. And then it becomes what? Just one big, you know, if it's not careful, you can't, you can't remind yourself that you love each other regardless of how you feel about each other. Amen. And then somebody gets mad, and then they don't talk to you for 20 years. <laughs> come, come, my friend. <laughs> it's truth. And one of the reasons why we have the sacraments, and one of the reasons why we participate in the Lord's Supper is not only for thanksgiving and remembrance, but it's also to keep one another accountable. So what we normally do is, when we take the sacraments, we come in and we say, oh, thank you, Jesus, and we cry and we pray, and, we, and, and oh, we remember your death on Calvary, and then we partake of the sacraments, yet we have aught with our brother still. I don't know if you're finding what you're going to hear, so I'm going to prepare you for it because I've changed the way that I am presenting the sacraments, and I'm going to continue to give you this awkward opportunity. It's going to be awkward (laughs) as we stop and we consider our relationships as brothers and sisters in the church before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Folks, if you have an odd against your brother, you need to clear it up before, before you bring your gift. That's what Scripture tells us. Before your religious duty being, in that instance, the Lord's Supper. It edifies the flock. It brings honor to the Lord. The preaching of God's word edifies, brings honor. And third, it must not be fleshly or carnal. Philippians 3.3, Paul characterized Christian worship this way. We are true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You see, the Pharisees were obsessed with external fleshly standards such as circumcision, lineage, and legal obedience rather than the state of the heart. That's why Paul was writing what he wrote. That our, that our, our confidence is in, in worship is in the spirit of God and in in, in in, in giving glory to him and not putting our confidence in the fleshly things like the lineage and as I talked about last week that you would wash hands and, and because the Pharisee says to Jesus before you can come into the, into the temple, you've you got to wash your hands. And he said, you're, you're consumed with externals more than your or traditions rather than 
than you are with actual worship of the Almighty God, worshiping in spirit and in truth. What were they doing? They were denying people access to God, consumed with the externals. But that all changed one day when, the, when, when this Pharisee Paul was converted on the Damascus Road. <laughs> and it changed all of that. You see, folks, his eyes were open to the glorious truth of justification by faith. He realized that the only way he could stand before God and be accepted was by being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. If you get nothing else out of this sermon this morning, I pray that you get that. It was justification by faith. And the only thing that he had to stand on was, was the fact that he had been accepted by God by being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. He said in Philippians 3.9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He called religious rites or traditions and external conformity to be of no value without faith that comes from the heart. What did he call them, folks? He called them dung or rubbish. I, I didn't call them that. So I, I want you to know that the once pharisaical Paul, who was enamored by the law, found true faith in Christ through a blinding light on the road to Damascus, and it changed his perception. Carnal preaching is consumed with outward conformity that aligns with tradition and not a heart change first. If the heart is not right, an outward standard alone is rubbish. Rituals, music, liturgy, ceremony, and kneeling are just religious rites when they are done from a heart of stone. When preaching is more about externals than internals, it is fleshly. Remember what Jesus said to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And remember, Mary, she sat at his feet in adoration, and he went on to say, because of that, she has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Mary's worship had external significance, and Martha's temporal significance. 
Mary's worship had external significance and Martha's temporal significance. One was adoration and the other aggravation. And when we become consumed with externals, our worship is carnal and we fail to worship in spirit and in truth. Let's come up here and make, make it very clear. He did not say that traditions were bad. He did not say that externals were bad. That's not there. That's not fine, found there, folks. But he said the internal is more important than the external. And if it's not a spirit of Christ, if it's done from a carnal spirit, carnal attitude, it's of no significance and no value. It's rubbish. I can preach externals all day long, but if there's not an internal heart change, those externals aren't going to mean anything to anybody. It all begins here. I want to make it clear I'm not, I'm not diminishing externals. He wasn't diminishing externals. Externals. But the point is, the internal heart. And when that heart is right with God, it wants to please God externally. Amen? It, it, wants, to align with, it wants to align with Scripture. Whatever, whatever God's Word says, it wants all of it. It wants to be careful in its lifestyle. It wants to be careful where it goes. It, it wants to be careful what comes out of its mouth. It, it wants, it, why? Because there's been an internal change within the heart of that individual, that believer. Pharisees were consumed with it. They were consumed with it. It's all a part of worship. We come into the place, of, the place to worship. We come and there are externals involved in that. There's beautiful music that we've enjoyed this morning. And it's all part of worship, folks. The fellowship of brothers and sisters, that's all part of worship. Lifting hands in, 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 in holy praise to God is all part of worship. But I've seen so many people do that. And then not have, the, the heart is not right. And they just kind of do it out of, uh, because everybody else does it. Or, you know, it makes them look good. Or, or it's just what we do. I want to give praise and adoration to God when I come in, and I want to have a pure heart when I'm doing it. I want to, have, I want to come together with people of pure, with pure hearts, those that, that love Jesus, that, uh, that, are, that are walking in, in, in faith with Christ on a, on a weekly basis. And when they come into the sanctuary of God, they come to worship. They're just a, you can just feel it. And there's a, there's a freedom in worship. There's no strife among brothers and sisters. You know, it's, it's easy to find fault. It's easy to pick apart what's going on at the church. It's easy to do that. It's a hot, lot harder to sit back and say, man, you know, I don't agree with everything, and I don't see it exactly that way, but I'm glad I'm here to worship, 
in, the spirit, in spirit and in truth with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I've come to worship with them. Regardless that I, I, that I don't see eye to eye with them, I don't necessarily agree with them. Listen, we can't allow that to, to distract from worship, folks. I think it's funny, you know, we, we're going to make mistakes up here We've, uh, on the platform. We're going to make mistakes, and we recognize it. And, the, and the, the longer I've been around, and sometimes I can't help myself, I've got to laugh. You can't help it. It's like, oh, that was hilarious. But you know what? I, I'm doing my best not to do that because I understand that it's all part of worship. Amen? That we're fleshly people. We're human. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to say things that we, that we probably maybe we'd wish we didn't say or, or out, of, out of a mistake of saying something. But you know what? I just want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Amen? I just, I just want to give people that, that their heart was right, what they did and what they said, they were there because it was, it was out of a heart of purity. Sometimes I think we say things out of a heart of ignorance. But they're pure, and, they're, and, 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 they, and they, want to upbuild the, they want to build up the kingdom of God, and they want to build up their brother and sister in Christ. We come in spirit and in truth. When we come together to worship, we should come with an attitude that wants to edify others, that honors God, and worship that isn't carnal. Worship in spirit and in truth. That's what worship is. You get a place where you think that the preacher's not doing his best to exegete the word of God, then keep him accountable. Pastor, I'm concerned about that. I, I, I see it differently. Some of you do, by the way. <laughs> and that's fine. I want to, I take this word seriously. I have a huge responsibility when I stand behind this pulpit to your for, for, for your spiritual well-being. I know he, God is all, obviously the ultimate one, but as I, as I exegete the word of God to you, I need to do it carefully, thoughtfully, prayerfully. Put as much effort and time into that. These sermons don't start on Saturday evening, folks. These, these sermons start when this one gets done. And I'll be reading on Monday, and I'll be reading on Tuesday, and I'll be looking at, at, at Scripture on, on Wednesday, all pertaining to the sermon that I'm going to preach on Sunday morning. I don't know what the hours, I don't keep track of how many hours go into uh, the preparation of God's Word. Uh, I'm, I, I don't really keep track of that. But it's important. Because I want to come into God's holy presence knowing that I've done my dead level best to ingest that word into my being into my mind so that I can effectively preach it to the congregation that God has given to me that's a part of what worship is let's worship him in spirit and in truth amen let's stand together well it was awful quiet in here this morning stuff burns on my heart and I want to share it with you I'm thankful for the word of God are you worshiping in spirit and in truth this morning
you find yourself, you, you find yourself worshiping in a carnal way? I pray not. Is there any area in your life that that, that is carnal, that is fleshly, that wants its way, wants to do it its way? Are you enmity with your brother or your sister? You have something. Do you have aught with your brother or sister? I, folks, I, we, we must do inventory. We've got to make it. We've got to make it. We come here on Sunday mornings and we worship together. And we, yeah, we don't agree, and I understand that. And it's not going to happen. But when we come, can we agree to worship in spirit and in truth? Laying aside all the distractions that are out there in our lives during that time just come in and immerse ourselves in the presence of an almighty God. <laughs> Lifting up the name of Jesus and magnifying him, glorifying him in our lives. Taking into account the areas in our lives that need, that we, that need, that the Holy Spirit needs to deal with. Being open to him. Lord, whatever you want in my life, whatever, you, if you see something that's wrong, Lord, cleanse me. Purify it. God wants a church that glorifies him and is done through purifying the church and the heart of the believer. Let's worship him. Father, thank you this morning for your word challenging our hearts speaking to us, Lord, through your word. We want to be people that come with a, an attitude of thanksgiving and praise that there's no hindrances to our worship. Like we just worship you in spirit and in truth, laying aside our differences, things we agree or don't agree on, and just coming, dear Lord, and worshiping you in the beauty of holiness, because we're, we're worshiping a holy God who expects a ho us to be holy people. Be ye perfect because our Father in heaven is perfect. Be ye holy as he is holy, saith the Lord. So Lord, we want to come with a pure heart, with clean hands, as David said in Psalms 24. The only way that he could come into the tabernacle was a, was a pure heart and clean hands. so that we can worship you and lift up the name of Jesus and glorify you in all that we do and say. Help me, Lord. To have a, an attitude of worship, not only on Sunday morning, but every single day that I live. Now, Lord, go with us this today. Give us a wonderful day together, I pray. Our family and friends. Bring us back this evening, Lord. Once again, we look together at your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.